God, our Father, we pray now that as you came down and spoke on Mount Sinai, and as the people there trembled, that you would cause us to tremble at your voice. Lord Jesus, please take these words of yours and make them clear for us, and make them, impress them on our hearts, and then cause us to live them out in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know what these symbols are? Hands up in the air. Do you know what these symbols are? Oh yeah, there's a good percentage of people who know what those symbols are. Does anyone know what these symbols are called? The spinning wheel of death is what the one on the left is called. Or similarly, if you have a PC, the spinning wheel or spinning hourglass of death. What are they? They are the symbols that come up on your Mac or PC when something is supposedly loading. When your computer is trying to compute something. But sadly, often when these symbols come up, the spinning wheel goes for days, it seems like. And you sit there wasting away, waiting for your computer to compute. It's so frustrating, isn't it? And I think the reason it's so frustrating is that the computer isn't doing what it's meant to do. It's a computer. It's meant to compute. But it's not. It's lost its sense of identity and purpose in the world. It's a computer. That's what it's meant to do, compute. But these are a painful reminder of the sinful world we live in (laughs) where computers don't do what they're meant to do. What has this got to do with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? Everything, not because Jesus ever experienced those symbols and in his frustration smashed his computer. No, but as we'll see, Jesus challenges us about our identity and our purpose in these verses. So, where are we up to in the story so far? My mistake. Uh, We're in the book of Matthew, remember? And last week was our first week in this series. We saw what Jesus has been up to recently. If you look again at the end of chapter 4, Open your Bibles and you'll see. Jesus had begun his public ministry. He was traveling all around Galilee. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. Amazing things. And most importantly, he was teaching. What was he teaching about? He was teaching, have a look at chapter 4, verse 23. He was teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. He was saying, the kingdom of heaven has come near. I'm the king of that kingdom. Repent, believe, and be saved. And then as the crowds grew and grew and more and more more people followed him, Jesus decided to withdraw from the crowds. He went up a mountain and he took his disciples with him to teach them, to teach those who decided to follow him. And it's no surprise what Jesus teaches about, is it? He talks about the same thing that he had already been talking about. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He continues to teach about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that he came to establish. And so Jesus is saying across these chapters, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, if you want to be a member of God's kingdom, this is what you need to know. And the first thing you need to know was what we saw last week. The Beatitudes, the character and the blessings 
of the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are blessed for theirs is the kingdom of God. And really that's what he goes on to talk about in our passage today as well. He continues to show us what does it mean to be a part of God's kingdom. A member of that kingdom. And to do that he gives us these two little simple parables. Salt and light. He uses ordinary things to explain something extraordinary. He uses the everyday things, household items, household things to explain the kingdom of God. The identity and purpose of a disciple, a member of the kingdom. And you can tell that's what he's doing from the very first word of the passage. So have a look with me. Let's get into it. What is it? Verse 13. You. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. You are the light of the world. He really emphasizes that, doesn't it? Doesn't he? You are salt. You are light. So the question is, who is the you? What's the people he's just been talking about, isn't it? The poor in spirit. Those who come humbly before God and say, I have no merit of my own. I am not worthy. Have mercy on me, a sinner. He's talking about those who mourn for the sin of this world. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's talking about the people in front of him as well. His disciples. Those who'd chosen to leave everything and follow him into the wilderness. It's those who want to be members of God's kingdom. Jesus is saying, if you are truly my disciple, if you truly come to me in repentance and faith, then you are salt and you are light. That's what he means when he says you, members of God's kingdom. But what exactly is he meaning by these two little parables? Well, let's stop and think about them. We're going to think about them together, what it means to be salt, what it means to be light. And we'll look at them together because actually they're two parables about one and the same thing. So Jesus says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. And verse 14, you are the light of the world. What does he mean? Well, let's start with salt. Let's stop and think about what salt is like. What are the characteristics of salt Jesus wants us to think about? Well, let's think about the uses of salt. What are some of the different uses for salt? Shout it out. What is salt used for? Flavor. That's the loudest one I heard just then. Imagine, imagine food for a moment without any flavor. No salt whatsoever. Imagine chips or pretzels without any salt. That's disgusting, isn't it? That's horrifying. Salt tastes amazing. And so we love to pile it on our food. Well, we shouldn't, but we like to. Okay, what else is salt used for? As a preservative. Yeah, salt stops decay. Salt fights bacteria. And so people for centuries have preserved meat, have pickled vegetables using salt. These days we have fridges, so we don't use as much salt, but there's still heaps of salt used for that purpose. What other uses are there? Clearly I'm talking to a younger generation who doesn't do as many chores around the house because you don't know what salt's good for. Sore throats, I heard. Yeah, it's, it's an antiseptic. It's used for medical reasons. It's good for sterilizing, to fight infections on your skin or in your mouth or something like that. 
There's one more. Melting ice. There's a million strange uses for salt. And if you go onto some life hack website, you'll find a thousand uses for salt. Another one is cleaning. Again, we, we have chemicals these days to do a lot of cleaning, but salt has been used for cleaning over the centuries. So as we stop and reflect a little bit on the uses of salt, what do we realize? Salt is useful, isn't it? Salt is good and salt is useful. We use it every day. We couldn't do without salt. Humanity would be far, far worse off or extinct without the use of salt. We couldn't flavor food nearly as well. We couldn't preserve food. We couldn't clean houses or fight infection. Salt is good and useful. Okay, that's salt. Let's stop and think about light. What are the uses of light? What is it used for? Really, there's just one thing, right? There's one thing that light is used for. To see. To get rid of the darkness. To light the house or the street. Why? So that we know what we're doing. So we're not bumping into each other. So we're not tripping over and hurting ourselves. Light shows the way so we can do life. And Jesus gives us these two examples of light. He says in verse 14, look there, a city on a hill can't be hidden. In the dark of night, a city on top of a hill can be seen for miles around. Why? Because there's light in it and you can see it from far away. And he says, when you light a lamp, after that he says, when you light a lamp and you stick it on a stand, as they did in those days, or a lamp these days, it lights the whole house. We can see what we're doing. That's what it's there for. So as we reflect on the use of light, what do we realize? Well, just like salt, light is good and light is useful. We couldn't go without light. Without light, humanity would be far worse off, if not extinct. We couldn't see what we're doing in the darkness. So salt and light are good and useful. That is what Jesus is saying about members of God's kingdom. If you are a Christian, a member of God's kingdom, then you are to be good and useful in this world. We'll come back to that in a second because there's another thing that we need to think about that's characteristic of salt and light. And for this, I need a volunteer to come up on stage with me. And I think Sam's a very volunteering kind of guy. Whenever I'm up at Bexley North, Sam always likes to get me up for the kid spot and embarrass me. This is payback. Oh, I shouldn't show you that, actually. Sam, can you put this blindfold on? Can you see? Good. Okay, Sam. Can you... Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. You want to see this? How many? I think I think two will do. You see that? That's a lot. How are you feeling, Sam? Good. It's feeling good. Okay. Can you take this glass in front of you? And can you taste it for me? You can swallow it, it's safe. Thanks. What do you realize about the taste of that water? 
It's normal. Here's another one. Have a taste of this one. You might not want to swallow that one. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. You can take your blindfold off. Sam, what did you realise about that glass of water? It was salty. So it had salt in it. How do you know it had salt in it? It tasted like salt. Tasted like salt. What does salt taste like? Bitter. Bitter? Salty? (laughs) Please thank Sam. What do we learn from that fun little exercise? Salt is distinct. Salt is unique. Salt is noticeable, especially when you put two teaspoons full in a small glass of water. Nothing in the world is like salt. There's no substitute for salt. When you taste it, you know what it is. Salt is salty. There's not really any other thing that we can say about it. Okay, what about light? I need another person to come up the front for me. I think uh, Tom Pollitt, you're looking at me. That's good. Come up here. (laughs) Tom doesn't want to look at me ever again. Okay, Tom, I won't get you to taste anything. You've got the easier of the two jobs. Can you close your eyes for me? Okay. Okay? They're closed? Yep. Good. Okay, can you describe what you can see? Uh, nothing. Nothing. Okay. Do you notice anything different? I know you moved. <laughs> no. Nothing. Oh, wait, there's something in front of me. Something in front of you. What do you, what do you think it is? I think someone's like got a torch or iPhone or something. I don't know. You nailed it. It's an iPhone. Oh, great. Well done. Well done. Okay, Tom, you can open your eyes. Tom, how did you know that it was light? Because there was something more than that. That, that big window. bright window back there? Yeah. yeah. So you saw light. Yeah. How would you describe light? Uh, not dark. Not dark. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Grab a seat. Okay, what do we learn from that exercise? The same thing, right? Light is distinct. Light is unique. It's noticeable. Nothing in the world is like light. There's no substitute for light. When you see light, you know it's light. Light is bright and lighty. There's no other way to describe it, really. There's nothing else like it. So putting that all together, all that thinking about salt and light, what are salt and light like? Salt and light are good and useful. They are distinct, they are unique, they are noticeable. And that's why Jesus says, you are salt and you are light. He says, if you are a member of God's kingdom, you are to be salty. Not in the modern use of that word, but in the actual meaning of that word, salty. You are to be salty, you are to shine light. You are to be distinct, unique in the world. You are to be good and useful in this world. You are to be different. So different that the world notices. People should be able to see your life and say that person is different. Okay. So we can see how we are meant to be salt and light in this world. That's what Jesus is saying. Members of God's kingdom are to be distinct and different and good and useful. But the big question is how? How are we to be distinct and different in the world? How are we to be good and useful? Well, Jesus gives us the clue in verse 16. Let's get back into the passage. 
he explains his parables. Have a look, verse 16. When you light a lamp, you stick it on a light stand for the whole house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. What is the light that you're meant to shine? What is the saltiness that you're meant to have? It's a life of good works, isn't it? A life of good works as a member of God's kingdom. Jesus is saying, as my disciples, your lives, they're meant to be full of good works. Full of light, full of salt, so the world can see and the world can taste. Good works. Now, what are those good works? Well, Jesus doesn't give us an answer. He doesn't give us any limits. So it's any and every good work that we do in faith. It's our whole life of faith and obedience flowing out from Jesus' grace to us. It's about all our lives, every part of our lives being different, distinct, unique, good, and useful. It's about proclaiming the gospel and living lives that support that, that adorn the gospel. It's about what we say and it's about what we do. It's about our actions and it's about our attitudes. And this is what the whole rest of the Sermon on the Mount is about and arguably the Bible. It's what we saw Jesus say last week. Members of God's kingdom are full of good works, of gentleness, of mercy, of peacekeeping. Jesus is talking about the good works he goes on to talk about. Do not hate in your heart. Do not lust with your eyes. Turn the other cheek when you are wronged. Love your enemies. Do good for those who hate you. Forgive people. Do not judge. These are just some of the ways Jesus calls us to be distinct and unique, good and useful in the world. And so if you want to know the good works Jesus wants you to do, to be salty, to be light, we'll just keep reading the Sermon on the Mount. And keep coming along, and each week we'll explore that for the next ten or so weeks. What does Jesus want from us? How are we to be salt and light? But there's another striking thing about this passage we need to realize. The last bit at the end of verse 16. It's actually the reason for all of this. It's our purpose as salt and light. What does it say? Jesus says, let your light shine before men. Why? So that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the purpose of members of God's kingdom. Why does Jesus call us into his kingdom? Why does Jesus call people to be salt and light in the world? So that people will see. So that people will see our good works and then they'll want to find out more. So that they might come to hear the good news of Jesus from our lips or from God's word. So that they might repent and believe and glorify the same Father that we love and serve and have. This is why we are salt and light in the world. We need to proclaim the gospel and live lives that adorn the gospel. Why? So that others can see. So that they can hear 
so that our friends and family and co-workers come to believe in the same amazing Lord that we do. That they call God their Father along with us. That's our purpose in life. That's why he saved us. That's why he brought us into his kingdom. To be salt that the world can taste and light that the world can see. As Peter puts it in his letter, live such good lives among the pagans that they see your good deeds and glorify your father. They glorify God as well. So the purpose of salt, it's to be salty so people can taste it. The purpose of light is to shine so people can see it. The purpose of a computer is to compute, but sadly we won't, we won't, we won't go into that topic. In the same way, the purpose of the Christian is to live a good life of good deeds so people will see and in time glorify God. But Jesus also mentions the flip side of this. He talks about our purpose, being salt, being light. He talks about when we are not salt, not salty, or when we are not very lightful. He talks about when we don't live according to our purpose, like the computer that won't compute. He says, if you are salt that's not salty, then what good are you? If you are light under a basket, then what good is that? Look at verse 13 again. They're sobering words. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. And verse 15, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Salt that doesn't taste like salt is pointless, isn't it? Salt that can't be used for salt purposes is useless. A lamp that sits under a basket is pointless, isn't it? A light that isn't used for its purpose is useless in the same way a Christian who doesn't live out his or her purpose is useless in God's kingdom if you say I'm a member of God's kingdom but I just keep it to myself or if you say I'm a Christian but I don't really want to be known for it ever then how is that fulfilling Jesus' purpose for you it's not Do you hear Jesus' words of warning here? He says, don't be a useless member of God's kingdom. If you are a member of God's kingdom, if you are a Christian, but you are not salty, you might as well be thrown out, Jesus says. If you are a Christian, but you say, but you don't have any light shining from you. If your life is not distinct or unique, if it's not noticeable, if it's not good or useful in this world, if there are no good works to see, then Jesus says you are like unsalty salt. You are like a lamp under a basket. And I would argue here that Jesus is saying that if you say you're a Christian, but your life is not impacted by him at all, if you're no different to the world around you, then it probably means that you aren't a Christian. And the good news of the kingdom hasn't gripped you in the first place. 
So can I plead with you, if that's you, to reflect on that. To come back to the good news, the good news of King Jesus. That he came and lived and died for you. That he rose again and now offers you a place in his kingdom forever. Can I urge you to confess to God that you have lived life your way and not his way? Can I urge you to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus so that you can know the love and forgiveness and grace that he freely gives? Because only then can we be salt and light in this world. But to finish off, off, I want us, those of us who are Christians, those of us who have joined God's kingdom, who have turned to Jesus, to think for a moment. If you're a Christian, which I entrust many of us are, how are you feeling at this point? Are you feeling challenged by Jesus' words? Do you feel like you want to be salt and light in this world? Do you feel like sometimes you are salt and light in this world, but at other times you are not? You fail, you struggle, you live like the world around you. If that's you, you are normal. That's how I feel. In fact, every Christian should feel that way when Jesus speaks these words into your heart and mind. Because remember what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember what Phil showed us last week. These words, Jesus' words, are a call to live for the kingdom. They are the standards of the kingdom of God and no one can meet them. No one can live by the Sermon on the Mount all the time and in every way. Only Jesus is perfect salt. Only Jesus is perfect light in this world. We are sinners who fail. And so Jesus' words are meant to make us fear God, first of all. But then turn to him and ask for forgiveness. The forgiveness that Jesus lovingly died for. But may his words also encourage and spur us on. Once we know that amazing grace, may it spur us on to be who we are. Because that's what Jesus is saying here. That's the thing I want to finish with. If you are a member of God's kingdom, if you have come to Jesus in repentance and faith, then you are salt. You are light. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's your identity. That's who you are. And so your purpose as salt and light is to be those things in this world. Salt that the world can taste, light that the world can see. As a member of God's kingdom, you are salt and light, so be who you are. Be salt and light. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't put your light under a basket. Be distinct and unique in the world. Be good and useful in the world. We'll think heaps more about that over the next 10 weeks, but for now you can begin to think, how can I be salt and light in my world, in my workplace, or at my uni or school, or in my home? How can I be light in this community? How can I be salt and light with my time? with my money, with my energy, with my all. Jesus says, shine your light. Be salty. That's why God has saved you. 
to do good works so that the world will see and give glory to God. Let's continue to find out what that looks like in coming weeks, but for now, let's pray. God, our Father, we praise you for Jesus, the light of the world, the salt of the world, who has brought such amazing goodness to us. In his amazing life, his, his challenging and bold words, his willing death for us, and his resurrection. Thank you that by all of that and by our Lord Jesus, you have made us members of your kingdom. Father, please help us to turn to you when we are challenged with words like this. To turn to you for forgiveness and grace. But then, Lord, help us then to live out who we are. Help us to be salt and light in this world. So that people may see and come to glorify you. And we pray that that would be the result of our efforts and our good works, Lord. That people would come to know you as we live good lives and as we speak about Jesus to them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.